Shalom, my dear brothers and sisters. We are going to continue with the study of the letter that Paul wrote to the Corinthians, 2 Corinthians, and we have arrived to chapter 9, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. I would like to read the whole chapter, all the 15 verses that are found in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. If you have your Bible with you, please open your Bible, and I'm reading beginning with verse 1. For is touching the ministering to the saints, it is superfluous for me to write to you, for I know the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has provoked very many. Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said ye may be ready, lest haply if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared, we that we say not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully shall reap also bountifully. Every man according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loveth a cheerful giver. And God is able to make all grace abound toward you, that he always, having all sufficiency in all things, may abound to every good work. As it is written, he has dispersed abroad, he has given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth forever. Now he that ministered need to the sower both minister bread for your food, and multiply your seed sown, and increase the fruit of your righteousness, being enriched in everything to all bountifulness, which causes through as thanksgiving to God. For the administration of this service not only supplies the want of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgiving unto God. Whilst by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ, 
and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. And by their prayer for you, which long after you, for the exceeding grace of God in you. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. Well, beloved brothers and sisters, this ninth chapter is really an extension of the previous chapter, which dealt with the grace giving. The Apostle Paul, to remind us all, was writing the second epistle, second letter to the Corinthians. Now, after things were straightened out and Corinthians have accepted the fact that Paul wished well for them, and now that Titus of God came back and gave good report to Paul, now Paul is continuing to encourage the Corinthians And especially now, here in these chapter 8 and chapter 9, he is sharing with them the importance of the collection that he is intending to collect and to take with him when he is traveling to Judea, to the poor Jewish believers in Judea. Now, in chapter 8, we have already covered this interesting uh, chapter where Paul have instructed the Corinthians concerning grace giving. Giving in spite of circumstances. Grace giving should be done cheerfully. Grace giving is when we give as the Lord Yeshua Jesus the Messiah gave. Grace giving is when uh, we give willingly. And grace giving is when we give by faith. That's what he was saying to the Corinthians in chapter 8. Now in chapter 9, beloved brothers and sisters, he's giving an encouragement to the Corinthians to encourage them to be faithful and to fulfill the promise they have made for the giving for the saints which were in Judea. Now notice this. In this ninth chapter, Paul encourages the Corinthians that although they were not accustomed to grace giving, here he's giving fivefold reasons as to giving, to have this grace giving in the mind and in the heart of every believer in the local assembly in the city of Corinth. He has explained to them already in chapter 8, if you remember, and I'll read just a few verses in Second Corinthians chapter 8, we read, Moreover, brethren, verse 1, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how that in a great trial of affliction, the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. He have already written to them about the churches in Macedonia, how graciously they, in spite of their trials, in spite of their poverty, they were liberal 
in willing to send with the Apostle Paul funds for the poor in Judea. So he have already spoken with them about the fact that the people of Macedonia, the believers in Macedonia, were in such a way willing to give for the needs of their brethren. Now in this ninth chapter, Paul motivated the Corinthians to be involved in this special offering for the saints. So Paul gives them here fivefold reasons for giving. Of course, in the context here, the giving would be in order that Paul and others that will be with him will carry their support for their poor brethren in Judea. But there is a principle that Apostle Paul teaching every believer with respect to giving. And that's why this chapter is specifically 2 Corinthians 9, deal with uh, the believer's giving. And so the first encouragement and the first reason that Paul is emphasizing here is in the first five verses. What he's really saying to the Corinthians in the first five verses of 2 Corinthians 9, he's saying to them, your giving will provoke others. Your giving will encourage others, will provoke them to love, will provoke them to be encouraged, will provoke them uh, to respond, will provoke others. Your example will provoke others. So in verse 1, Paul points to the advantage that the Corinthians will have by ministering to the saints in Jerusalem. He says in verse 1, for is touching the ministering to the saints. Again, these saints he have already spoken of in 1 Corinthians chapter 16 in the first few verses. You remember what he says in 1 Corinthians 16 in the earlier letter to the Corinthians. He said to them in verse 1 of chapter 16, Now concerning the collection for the saints... As I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye, upon the first day of the week. Let every one of you lay by him in store, as God has prospered him, that there be no gathering when I come. And when I come, Paul is saying, he will ultimately will bring, will take and bring uh, the liberality of the Corinthians unto the city of Jerusalem, to Jerusalem. So there will be, he's saying to them in verse 1, there is an advantage that the Corinthians will have by ministering to the saints. He's saying to them in verse 1 of chapter 9, for as touching the ministering to the saints, it is over and above. It is advantageous for you that for me to write to you. In other words, I'm writing to you that it is for your advantage if you are going to be ready with promise that you have made to send a support for the need of the poor in Judea. In other words, 
Paul wanted them to realize that by doing that, they will provoke others. They will encourage others. Let's remind us of the verse of, that is found in Hebrews 10 and verse 24. And let us consider one another to provoke unto love, and notice, and to good works. By being those that are participating in the giving for the needs and for the work of the Lord, whether it is for the gospel work, or whether it is for the servants of the Lord, or whether it is for the poor and the needy, or whether it is for any part of the ministry, there is an advantage in doing so because there is provoking one another. And Paul says in this verse 1 that there is pointing to the advantage that the Corinthians will have by ministering to the saints in the city of Jerusalem. The advantage it is that they will stir others to do the same. They will stir others to be helping and giving graciously for the things of the Lord. In verse 2, Paul boasted a year ago of the Corinthians to the assemblies in Macedonia. He is saying in verse 2, For I know for uh, the zeal, the forwardness of your mind, for which I boast of you to them of Macedonia, that Achaia was ready a year ago, and your zeal has provoked very many. You see, Paul saying, already a year ago, I have already boasted to them in Macedonia of you, that you were all ready to send the funds with the delegation to the needs of the saints in Jerusalem, in Judea. He continues in verse 3, and Paul is really sent brethren to Corinth already to prepare the Corinthians before he is coming to receive the collection. So he said in verse 3, Yet have I sent the brethren, lest our boasting of you should be in vain in this behalf, that as I said, ye may be ready. So Paul wanted, he gave a warning ahead of time to the Corinthians, he sent some ahead of time, so they will be ready with the gift support that will be taken to the needy. Uh, so he's, you notice, beloved brothers and sisters, Paul is encouraging the Corinthians to have a mindset that will be recognizing that their giving for the needs and the ministry of the Lord's work will provoke others. And so he's encouraging them to be ready to fulfill the promise that they have made a year ago when he was boasting of them to the saints in Macedonia. In verse 4, Paul did not want the Corinthians to be unprepared with their gift for the saints. So he's saying, lest happily, if they of Macedonia come with me and find you unprepared. We, that we say not ye, should be ashamed in this same confident boasting. So in other words, Paul is really saying here, you see, brethren, I 
send someone to come to you to be ready with the promised gift that I have already boasted of you to the saints in Macedonia. So, therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort, the, uh, to encourage you and to send along already ahead of time those that would come and prepare you for our coming. So if I come with others from Macedonia, they will not find you unprepared. And you see, beloved brothers and sisters, Paul never wanted that giving would be done by pressure or by manipulation. Uh, giving has to be out of a willing heart and willing mind and not because one is under pressure or one is being forced to. You will see as he is going to move along in this chapter that he will emphasize it more and more. Well, in verse 5, Paul wanted that their gift will be a willing gift and not by constraint. Not as if he is coveting something, but he wanted them to do it willingly. And notice what he is saying in verse 5. Therefore, I thought it necessary to exhort the brethren that they would go before unto you and make up beforehand, notice that, beforehand your bounty. In other words, their, their giving is reckoned as a bounty, as a blessing, as a willing gift. It's a generosity, so that your bounty, whereof ye had noticed before, that the same might be ready as a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. So, Paul, in these first five verses of Second Corinthians chapter nine, gave the Corinthian this very important reason for giving. And this reason is the fact that your giving, Corinthian, will provoke others. Your giving will be a stimulation to others, stimulate them, encourage them, bless them, and it will not come out of something that they're being forced upon you, not as someone coveting what you have, but it will be your bounty and uh, it will be a matter of bounty and not as of covetousness. It will be a willing gift, a blessing gift, a generous gift, and not a gift that come because one is coveting that which you have. This is a very uh, important there are a few verses that we can read concerning our Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, who said on the Sermon on the Mount in Matthew chapter 6, we do read in verse 1, Take heed that you do not your alms before men to be seen of them, otherwise ye have no reward of your Father which is in heaven. Therefore, when thou doest thine alms, do not sound the trumpet before thee as a hypocrite. Do in the synagogues and in the streets, 
that they may have glory of men. Verily I say unto you, they have their reward. But when thou doest alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doeth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father which seeth in secret himself shall reward thee openly. This is what Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, was sharing with the multitude who came to the, the mountain in Galilee to listen to his teaching. And you remember in uh, the Gospel of Matthew, then the multitude went up into that mountain that was in the north of Israel, and how he began to teach them, and he gave them this instruction, and the principle remains really the same as Shaul Paul is instructing the Corinthians concerning the believer's giving. Your giving, verses 1 to 5, will provoke other believers. But he doesn't stop here. The apostle Paul continue in verses 6 to 11, and he gives them, present before the Corinthians, a second encouragement, a second reason as to uh, why they should give, and a principle for giving. And the second uh, lesson and reason for giving is that your giving, Corinthians, will not only stimulate others and provoke others to act like you in a right way, but it will also bless you yourself, Corinthian. And how true it is that God is delight to have his people give for the things of the Lord, for the gospel's sake, for the needs of God's people, for the needs that exist around, and it, it produces a blessing to the giver. And so we read in verse 6, Paul pointing the Corinthians to the biblical principle. Listen to this. This is very interesting verse in Second Corinthians 9 and verse 6. But this I say, he which soweth sparingly shall reap also sparingly, and he which soweth bountifully or generously shall reap bountifully. Look at the principle. It is such an important principle that we have here in this verse. Now, Paul, of course, is uh, giving us a principle that we learn from the Hebrew Scriptures, of course, because the Word of God oftentimes taught uh, in days of old the nation of Israel that those principles that apply in every generation. In Proverbs 11, in verse 24, we read, There is that scattereth and yet increases, and there is that withholdeth more than is meat, but it tendeth to poverty. In other words, the one that scattereth, yet he is increasing. And the others that withholding, he is now becoming poorer and poorer. Now, it is a principle, this is Solomon, Shlomo, taught Israel in the book of Proverbs, but this is an important principle to learn. 
And that's why Paul is saying, He which soweth sparingly shall reap sparingly. He that soweth bountifully or generously will also reap generously. There are other verses that it can be read from the Hebrew Scriptures. In Deuteronomy uh, chapter uh, 15, uh, we read in verse 10, Thou shalt surely give him, and thine heart shall not be grieved when thou give unto him, he's speaking about the poor, to give to the poor, because that for this thing the Lord thy God shall bless thee in all thy works, and in all that, that thou puttest thine hand unto. In other words, here is God gave Israel a promise that when Israel will deal with their brethren and their people, the poor, in the right way, and that their heart will do so out of love and care for the needs of the poor, they will ultimately be blessed. In all that thou puttest in thine hand to do, God shall bless thee. We read in Deuteronomy chapter 15 and verse 10. In chapter 16, we read in verse 17, Every man shall give as he is able, according to the blessing of the Lord, thy God which he hath given thee. And so you see, the encouragement here is that when one sowing, sparingly, he will also reap sparingly. But when one soweth bountifully, generously, the Lord promised to bless, and he shall also reap bountifully. You know, when you think about uh, to sow sparingly, you know, God himself gave us such an amazing lesson to learn, because he himself did not spare someone that was so dear to him. We do read, beloved brothers and sisters, in the book of Romans, in chapter 8, in verse 32, He that spared not his own son. Think about it. God did not spare the most precious person, his own son. He didn't spare him, but he delivered him up for us all. He delivered His own Son for us all, beloved brothers and sisters and dear friends. What a lesson for us to learn and how we need the Lord's help in this matter. And so being in such an attitude, having such an attitude to sow bountifully, there will be a reward and there will be a blessing for those that sow bountifully. And so he continues, and in verses 7 onward, the Apostle Paul is saying to the Corinthians, giving should come from your heart, in verse 7. Every man, according as he purpose in his heart, so let him give, he's saying not grudgingly or of necessity, for God loves a cheerful giver. 
In other words, beloved brothers and sisters, God wants his own people to give out of the heart, not by force, not uh, to give of that which they don't have, but every man as he purpose in his heart, so let him give, not grudgingly or of necessity. I don't, you know, God doesn't want us to say, oh, I have to. Do I have to? God wants his own people to see the need and to have it in their heart and to give not grudgingly and not of necessity because God loves a cheerful giver. That reminds us, of course, what we read in Acts chapter 20 when the Apostle Paul gathered around him the elders from Ephesus from Miltus, he sent to them, and you remember what he said to them in Acts chapter 20, in verse 33 to verse 35. Paul said, I have coveted no man's silver, or gold, or apparel. Yea, ye yourself know that these hands have ministered unto my necessities, and to them that were with me. I have shown you all things, how that so laboring he ought to support the weak. And then he said, And to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, eh, how he said, notice he's reminding eh, the Corinthians who were not eh, there when the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, was alive here. But he's pointing them to be reminded, apparently Paul mentioned it much more than once. He says, to remember the words of the Lord Jesus, of the Lord Yeshua, how he said, it is more blessed to give than to receive. Interesting, this expression that we have. The apostle Shaul Paul may refer to Luke chapter 14, verses 12, 13, in 14, where we do read, in verse 12, Then said he also to him that bade him, When thou makest a dinner or a supper, call not thy friends, nor thy brethren, neither thy kinsmen, nor thy rich neighbors, lest they also be thee again, and recompense be made thee, but when thou makest a feast, call the poor and the maimed and the lame and the blind, and thou shalt be blessed, for they cannot recompense thee, for thou shalt be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. Paul may have a reference, although he was not there to hear these words of the Lord at that time in Luke chapter 14, but he may refer to it of a statement that was said by the Lord, it is more blessed to give than to receive. And the thought is when Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, was instructing, if you remember, he heals on the Shabbat day when he was among his people and when he taught these amazing lessons, parables, he said... When you're making a dinner or supper, 
Don't call your friends or your, the brethren or the kinsmen or your neighbors, your rich neighbor, because they will say, oh, he is inviting us now, so we will invite him later on. In other words, he wants something in return. But no, when you make a feast, you call the poor, the maimed, the lame, and the blind, and you shall be blessed. Why? They cannot recompense you. They cannot give you back what you gave them. But God will reward you. You will be recompensed at the resurrection of the just. What a lesson to learn from these verses, beloved brothers and sisters, of Second uh, Corinthians Chapter 9, the believer's giving, the believer's giving, verses 1 to 5, will provoke others. The believer's giving, verses 6 to 11, will not only provoke others, but will bless the person, will bless the giver when he does so, when he's sowing bountifully, when he's sowing generously, when he is a cheerful giver. Every man, according as he purposed in his heart, so let him give, verse 7 says, not grudgingly of necessity, but uh, uh, because God loves a cheerful giver. In verse 8 and 9, the right kind of giving is blessed by God. We read in verse 8 and 9, And God is able to... To make all grace, notice that, is able to make all grace abound towards you, that you always having all sufficiency in all things may abound to every good work. As, and he's quoting Psalm 112 and verse 9, as it is written, he has dispersed, he has given to the poor, his righteousness remaineth. Forever, this is amazing how the apostle Shaul Paul oftentimes quoted the Hebrew scriptures when he was ministering and sharing the word of God because that's the only word of God, the only scripture that he has in his hand to be able to share the word of the Lord with the new established assemblies in Asia Minor and Europe when he was preaching and sharing the word of God with the believers that came to be part of the church of the assembly of the living God. I'm reading Psalm 112, and there we read in verse 9, He has dispersed. This is God. He has given to the poor. This is God. His righteousness. This is God's righteousness. And do it forever. His horn shall be exalted with honor. God's horn, God's power, God's strength will be exalted with honor. In other words, what Paul is really saying in verses 8 and 9, that the right kind of giving is blessed by God and producing righteousness in the lives of those they practice this with a right attitude and right heart. And so these beautiful verses, verses 8 and verse 9, in verses 10 and 11, Paul is really, he pray for blessing upon the Corinthians and their giving. We read in verse 10, Now he that ministers 
seed to the sower both minister bread for your food and multiply your seed sown and increases the fruits of your righteousness being enriched in everything to all bountifulness which causes through us thanksgiving to God. You see, beloved brothers and sisters, in a sense, ministering seed, serving God, giving, is producing a blessing, is producing, as he's saying, the thanksgiving unto God. So it is enriching the believer in everything. And in a sense, what we have here in verses 10 and 11 as Paul is writing to the Corinthians in 2 Corinthians 9, he is mentioning to them as if it were in prayer. He's saying, he said, Now he that ministers seed to the sower, if you are going to be sowing, if you are going to be participating in the giving Corinthians, well, the one that, that ministers seed to the sower, he both ministers bread for your food. In other words, God will bless you. He will multiply your seed sown. And he will increase, notice that, multiply, increase the fruits of your righteousness. You see that? He continues said, being enriched in everything to all a bountifulness which causes through us thanksgiving. So he using the word multiply. He using the word increase. Using the word enrich, in other words, he's in a sense he's wishing and praying and saying it's producing us thanksgiving to God. We give thanks to God for you. And when you do so, when you participate in the gracious grace giving and do it out of your heart as a cheerful giver, you will ultimately be blessed by God. The one that ministered, uh, sowing seed, he will ultimately be blessed. He, as it says here, multiply your seed sown. God will increase the fruits of your righteousness and he will enrich you in all things into all bountifulness which causes through us thanksgiving. Interesting words, multiply, increase, enrich, bountiful, it's up and up and up and up, it's the blessing of the Lord. And the blessings are not necessarily always materially, spiritually speaking as well. So spiritually, the one that give will ultimately be blessed. And so the second encouraging statement that Apostle Paul seek to teach and to encourage the, the Corinthians with respect to giving is that your giving will not only provoke others to do the same, but your giving will also bless you yourself, Corinthians. Now, in the last verses, the Apostle Paul provides additional threefold reasons or threefold encouragement for giving and he's saying them in the next verses. In verse 12, he's saying to the Corinthians, 
your giving will meet people's needs. And it will be produce a thanksgiving to God, because now he's saying in verse 12, for the administration of this service not only supplies the want of the saints, or the needs of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgivings unto God. Corinthians, he's saying to them, He's saying, when you are giving, when you are going to be participate in the giving uh, towards the saints in Judea and Jerusalem, the poor saints, in the context of our chapter here, and of course this is a principle that apply to the Lord's work in the giving to the to any aspect of the work of God here upon the face of this earth. Your giving will not only provoke others, your giving will not only bless you, but verse 12, your giving will meet needs and will bring about a thanksgiving unto God. You see what happened when somebody's needs are met, he or she, if their hearts are right, will turn to God and say thank you. Thank you. Thank you, God, for your provision, because after all, every good thing and every perfect thing came from above. And although God delight to use his own people, but in actuality, beloved brothers and sisters, it is all from God. And that's why when Paul was writing to the Thessalonians, he said to them in 1 Thessalonians 5.18, In everything give thanks. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus concerning you, in the Messiah Yeshua concerning you. In other words, in everything give thanks, and those whose needs will be met, they will turn about, as we read in verse 12, and they will ultimately be thankful unto God. We read in verse 12, For the administration of this service, not only supply the needs of the saints, but is abundant also by many thanksgiving unto God. Can you imagine when someone's need is met and when he or she was in a special need and another believer from somewhere supported and helped and met the need and that person is appreciative he or she will give thanks to God. It says abundant also by many thanksgivings, not once, but many thanksgiving unto God. To give God thanks. To praise God for His provision. This is such an important thing in the life of God's people. So, Corinthians, your giving will meet needs and will cause and will produce many thanksgiving to God by those that receive your gift. That's what Paul is saying here to the Corinthian believers in verse 12. So, as we are seeing that list of the encouragement of the Apostle Paul to the Corinthians with respect to giving, 
the believer's giving, he is building up in this chapter. 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 1 to 5, your giving will provoke others to give. And therefore, God's work will continue on. The needs of God's people will be met. The work of the Lord can be spread. The gospel can be sent. The preacher can be preaching. The work of the Lord can be multiplied. Secondly, if you are giving, your giving will bless you yourself. Because he mentioned of the importance for verses 6 to 11. If you sow sparingly, you will reap sparingly. If you will sow bountifully, you will reap bountifully. God loves a cheerful giver and he blessing the cheerful giver. There is a blessing from the Lord. That's why Paul quoted Psalm 112. He is saying, the disperse abroad. He's saying in verse 9 and 10, he's saying, As it is written, he that disperse abroad, he has given to the poor. His righteousness remaineth forever. God will ultimately bless those that do his bidding. And so, now, in verse 12, Corinthians, your giving will meet needs which will produce much thanksgiving to God. It will produce, it will cause through us thanksgiving unto God. And it will bring many thanksgiving to God as we have here in verse 12. Now, notice that as we move towards the end of this chapter in verse 13, Paul is emphasizing the fourth reason as to why it is important to have this grace-giving. Another reason, and he says in verse 13, Corinthians, your giving will actually glorify God. Verse 13 we read, While by the experiment of this ministration, they glorify God. For your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ, and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. You notice that, beloved brothers and sisters, Paul is emphasizing the fact that it's not only meeting people's need, the poor's need, and the work of the Lord's need, and bringing about thanksgiving to God, but it also glorifies God. God is glorified by the behavior of his people and in the context of 2 Corinthians chapter 9 is the believers giving for the work of the Lord. We read again in verse 13, while by the experiment of this ministration they glorify God for your professed subjection unto the gospel of Christ. You see, the Corinthians, when they subjected themselves unto the gospel of Christ, they have accepted the Lord Yeshua, Jesus the Messiah, and by giving and by administrating, by sharing in the giving for the ministry, in a context here, of course, for the poor in Judea, well, it is 
causing glorifying God. It is causing the fact that many will glorify God and God is being honored by that. And then he said at the end, and for your liberal distribution unto them and unto all men. What you are doing, you are glorifying God. Others will glorify God. Not only even those that you giving to, but also unto all men. And here, beloved brothers and sisters, we learn that sincere and proper giving does honor God and glorify God. And so Paul will conclude this chapter in verses 14 and 15, and he will give the fifth reason here to the Corinthian. He says, your giving will help to unite God's people together. This is the the last two verses of uh, 2 Corinthians chapter 9. And so we read, And by their prayer, this is the Jewish believers in Judea, who will receive the gifts, the monetary gifts of the Corinthians, along with the people from Macedonia and all the churches that were ready to, to send for their need in Jerusalem, in Judea. He is saying, by their prayers, and now they in Judea will pray for you. By their prayer, for you, which long after you for the exceeding grace of God in you. Now notice he used the word you three times here. They're going to pray for you because they long after you because they see the grace of God that happened in you. You notice that? Paul is now showing to us, and in the context, of course, here, the Corinthians were not Jewish, but the believers in Judea, Jerusalem, were Jewish. So what happened here, your giving Corinthian will produce, will assist, will increase the unity among the Jewish and Gentiles believers in Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah. This is very interesting, beloved brothers and sisters. I want to read the verse in Romans chapter 15 at the end of the book of Romans in verse 25. In Romans chapter 15 and verse 25, Paul said, and this is of course in connection with what we are studying here in 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Paul is saying, in verse 25, but now I go unto Jerusalem to minister unto the saints. In other words, he was going to go to Jerusalem to minister to the Jewish believers, to the poor in Judea and in Jerusalem. For, notice that, it had pleased them of Macedonia and Achaia, this is including the Corinthians, to make a certain contribution for the poor saints, which are at Jerusalem. Then he continued to remind the Roman believers, and of course the Corinthians also, it has pleased them verily, and their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, 
their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. You see, it's so interesting. Because Paul always reminded the non-Jewish believers they have entered into the blessings that God have given to the, the spiritual blessing that God have given to the nation of Israel. And that they have been grafted in. And therefore, he says to them, for if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. And what happened when this show of love and care for the needs, the needs of all God's people, Jewish and Gentile, everyone has a need that someone else can help in meeting it. But the important lesson that we learn here from Second Corinthians chapter 9 in verses 14 and 15, is that it produces the gifts that the Corinthians will send along with Paul, along with the same gifts from coming from the saints of Macedonia, will be a blessing and will produce harmony and unity in the body of Christ. And what the body of Christ is, is a composition of Jewish believers in Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, and Gentile believers in Yeshua, Jesus, the Messiah, who are united together in this one body. In this present day of the church age, the ecclesia, the called out ones, is a composition of Jewish and Gentile believers, true believers born of the Spirit of God, born again individuals. Well, while there is a positional unity of all true believers, oftentimes this positional unity is not practiced and enjoyed practically. And here is evident that Paul is emphasizing, he says, their prayer, you see, they will be praying for you. They long after you. And they see that God's grace was done in you and that will bring a practical unity among the people of God and Paul never ceased for a moment to remind as he closed the chapter here he never ceased to remind believers everywhere of the greatest gift that was ever given and to all to mankind Notice what he says in verse 15, the last verse of 2 Corinthians chapter 9. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. That gift can be applied to both. Number one, the gift is the Son. For God so loved the world, John 3.16, that he gave. He gave His only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth on Him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. The gift of the Son, of the Messiah Yeshua, Jesus Himself, is a gift that is unspeakable. There is nothing to be compared to that greatest gift. That's why Paul said in Romans 1 and verse 
16, I am not ashamed of the gospel of the Messiah. What is the gospel of the Messiah? Is that Christ, the Messiah, came to this world. He died according to the scripture. He was buried and he rose again on the third day according to the scripture. The news that he was willing to give himself to be a gift of God. Thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. But at the same time, beloved brothers and sisters, Paul elsewhere said in Romans 8 and verse 32, which we have already pointed to, he said in verse 32, He that spared not his own son, but delivered him, he gave him, he delivered him up for us all. God gave his son, who took union, humanity with his divine nature, who became the man of sorrows, the Messiah of Israel, the Savior of this world, who came to die for the sin of this world. And so this unspeakable gift applies to the person of our Lord Yeshua, the Messiah, and the work that he had accomplished. But what is the gift that we receive because of his death, burial, and resurrection? It is the gift of salvation and eternal life. Again, John 3.16, the second part of this verse, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son. But then the second half, that whosoever believeth on him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. Beloved brothers and sisters, everlasting life. Everlasting life. My dear friends and dear brothers and sisters, the gift of eternal life. Thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. How grateful ought we all to be for the gift that God had given unto you and unto me and unto mankind. This gift is the gift of his beloved Son, the Messiah, the Mashiach, who came in order to provide salvation for sinners such as we by nature. Well, beloved brothers and sisters, 2 Corinthians chapter 9 presents before us five-fold reasons and encouragement as to giving. Your giving will provoke others to give. Your giving will bless you. Your giving will meet needs and produce thanksgiving to God. Your giving will glorify God. Your giving will assist in uniting God's people together practically. Well, my dear friend, thanks be unto God for His unspeakable gift. God bless you. And until the next time, we say, Shalom, Shalom.